Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. It seems apparent that it was due to Luke's style that we have some of the most accurate details of those early years in the life of Jesus, in the early church in Jerusalem, and the birth of churches all across Asia, as well as the records of all of the missionary journeys of both Peter and Paul. Luke was the one that's responsible for giving us all of those details. Picture yourself in the ancient world of first century Rome just shortly after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. With no cell phones, YouTube, or television, many would doubt that the gospel could cover the known world so quickly. In today's message, Pastor David starts us off in the gospel of Luke, the physician and evangelist. In our study, we learn how Luke's gospel has made such a large impact with the amount of detail and clarity that he provided for its readers almost 2,000 years ago. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, All an Intro to Luke. Again, this morning, uh, getting into another book, we're going to uh, start it in a little bit of a different way for you this morning by way of introduction of this book study. I want you to go on a little bit of a journey with me this morning, just a little bit of a journey, and hopefully you'll, you'll tag along, you'll get involved with uh, what's going on this morning. I want you to imagine yourself, if you would, that you are in living in the first century, in the area that we now know is Turkey. Now, you don't know it's the first century because the Gregorian calendar hasn't been invented yet. It won't come about for another 450, 500 years from where you're living. Actually, you're living right now in the latter time of the reign of Claudius or somewhere near the early reign of Nero. And that's how they judged time during that time, particularly if you were part of the Roman Empire, which that part of the world was as much of that world at that point in time was under the Roman Empire, under the rule and under the authority of Roman. Either Claudius was the emperor or Nero, and probably during your lifetime that change took place. It's believed that you were born in the city of Antioch. Now that would then make you Syrian by heritage. But since Rome was in control of all of that, you were designated as a Roman citizen, Syrian by heritage, Roman by citizenship. However, early on in your training, as you grew in your education, you got the flavor of being in the Greek or the Hellenistic culture. So your culture was the the Greek culture. 
uh, the Hellenistic culture of that day. And if you know anything about that during that time, again, uh, self, self-importance was a big thing. Uh, the arts were very, very big during that time. Somewhere along your training, whether as a young man or on into your adult life, you came under the influence of probably uh, some Egyptian training in the fields of the physical sciences. And you're actually a physician by trade. You're known as a physician. Now, with all of these influences in your life, you enjoyed the fields of science. You had a thirst for research and for the details that go into research. You delighted in history. You were a gifted writer. And you were quite capable, even as a physician, for the time and the culture that you lived in. And although you were raised in a, in a very pagan culture, all around you, temples and worship of all these different pagan gods, there came a time in your life when someone introduced you to the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth. And as would be your custom, your personality, you didn't take these claims as surface value. As a matter of fact, you, you investigated, you, you studied to see if those things were really true. And then somewhere and somehow in your search for truth, you actually came in your heart and in your life with a real and true relationship with the one and only one who is truth. You surrendered your life to follow the teachings of the one who is called the, the Son of God, the Christ, the Savior, Jesus, the Lord. As you grew in your faith, you came in contact with other believers along the way, and your life continued on in, in a change, a change that actually went for the rest of your life, and we really could say it was changed forever. You'd never be the same again, and whatever plans you had made for your personal life because of the talents that you had, because of the giftings that you had, because of just what your personality is, whatever plans you had made, those were now suddenly changed as you surrendered it all to Jesus Christ, the one who gave you life and the one who gave his life as a payment for your sin. You'd now be following the leading of the Holy Spirit rather than pursuing a medical career. You'd now seek to serve God rather than the worldly and godless and pagan culture that surrounded you. You now had a loyalty to a whole new empire. You'd follow a new king and your citizenship was forever changed. If you haven't guessed by now, your, your name is Luke. And your influence to the Christian church all through the ages is really immeasurable. Although you weren't eyewitness to the life and to the ministry of Jesus, because of diligent research, persistent dialogue with a multiple of witnesses, those who had been there, you were able to come to, as he says, a perfect understanding of all things from the very first. And thus you can write an orderly account that you may know the certainty of those things. Your record your writings actually of the life and the events of, of Mary and the mother of Jesus and her family, they're the most detailed of any record that we have. Where you obtain that information really is unknown for certain, but there's a good possibility that you might have even had conversation with Mary even at that point in time. 
Undoubtedly, you had conversations with John, the apostle who was given instruction by Jesus as he hung on the cross to take care of Mary, to become her son also. And although you weren't able to physically walk in the presence of Jesus during his earthly ministry, your record of his life proves that there was a closeness of relationship that you had with him. It proved a closeness of your own spiritual walk in Christ as you wrote these things, as well as your understanding and knowledge of his heart for the people that he ministered to. You had a real and and a true and abiding relationship with the Savior. And as the author of the third of the four gospel records that we have, plus adding to that the writing of our only New Testament history book, the book of Acts, you actually are responsible for writing more than 28% of our New Testament. Over a fourth of the New Testament is written by Luke. It's amazing. All that he has placed for the church and the benefit and the blessing of the church. Luke a physician, an evangelist, a historian, an author, and a follower of Jesus. I think of all the titles he could have had, that last one, a follower of Jesus, was probably the most important in his life. We first hear of his life and and, and existence. He was known only as, as a man named Luke, or Lucas, depending upon your translation, We first hear about him as he travels with the apostle Paul on Paul's later missionary journeys. Paul mentions his name actually three places in Paul's letters. In the book of Philemon, he mentions Luke. In the book of Colossians, he mentions Luke. In the book of 2 Timothy, he mentions Luke. But as Luke is writing of Paul's adventures all through the book of Acts, all of Paul's journeys, Luke never mentions his name, his own name. Even in his book of Luke, he doesn't say, hey, I, Luke, I'm I'm writing this thing out for you. We don't see that anywhere at all. In Colossians, Colossians 4.14, Paul calls him the beloved physician. And it's believed that as he traveled with Paul, that he probably assisted Paul in dealing with those various physical ailments that we believe that Paul had, including that reoccurring physical ailment, you know, that one that they call the thorn in the flesh, that Luke was probably one who was able to minister to him during that time. It seems apparent that it was due to Luke's style that we have some of the most accurate details of those early years in the life of Jesus in the early church in Jerusalem, and the birth of churches all across Asia, as well as the records of all of the missionary journeys of both Peter and Paul. Luke was the one that was responsible for giving us all of those details. It was later in his life, apparently he was living in the province of Troas, He has this encounter with the apostle Paul, and then he joins Paul then in his second missionary journey. And we see this subtle inclusion of Luke to that missionary team actually in the book of Acts. Now, we're going to be in Luke this morning, so if you want to turn to Luke, you can. But also, I want you to keep going on over to your right to the book of Acts. And if you would, go to the book of Acts chapter 16. I want to show you this little subtleness this morning. Again, as we said, Luke doesn't mention his name, 
but in his style of writing, his grammar is detailed to things. And, and as a matter of fact, historians and those who study these kinds of things say that Luke's writing, Luke's command of, of the Greek language as he writes is, is absolutely excellent, on par with any of the other historians of his time or of his age. In Acts chapter 16, down in verse 6, we read these words. Now when they, figure that word they, pay attention to that, okay? Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came to Troas. Definitely speaking as a third-person thing. They were doing that. Now we continue on. Verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately, what does it say? We. The pronoun suddenly changed to first person. We sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. That subtle change of pronouns from the third person plural of they and them to that first person plural of we and us, that really shows us right where Luke joined the team. And later on in Acts, we find the same format as Luke actually is left in the city of Philippi. Uh, there, there had been a riot there, and you, you probably know the story there in the book of Acts. And Paul and Silas were thrown in the jail there in Philippi. And of course, in the middle of the night, uh, the earthquake came and all the cells were loosed. And Paul and Silas were also able to lead the jailer to Christ and all of his household. Earlier, they had led Lydia and her household to Christ. And so because of all of these things that were going on within the city, Paul and Silas left the city, but they actually left Luke there in Philippi to continue to minister to this baby church, this new group of believers, probably very small at that time. But Paul left them there, and we find as we read the book of Acts that it's like four or five years later that Paul once again joins up with Luke. So Luke and those that were left with him remain in Philippi for about four or five years, ministering to that little core of believers. And then later they join Paul again in Troas. And we read about that on in chapter 20. Now, although he came in to the ministry of the Apostle Paul a little bit late in that second journey, he didn't, we don't read of him at all earlier on in any way. One of the things we see about Luke is this loyalty, this, this character that's demonstrated as he seems to be one of the only ones who remained with Paul to the very end of Paul's life. Take the opportunity now, keep going right, go to the book of 2 Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4. In 2 Timothy, Paul is writing what we've spoken about in the past, his swan song. Paul's life is just about done. He realizes this. He writes once again to Timothy, this young pastor. And as he's writing to Timothy, particularly in this second writing, we see the heaviness and the weight that's on Paul in his end days. 
In 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 9, we read these words as Paul writes to Timothy. He tells Timothy, be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me. Now, you've got to understand, Demas had been on Paul's missionary journeys with him. Demas had walked hand in hand, ministered with Paul. Now, Paul, at the end of his days, Demas has left, and Paul says that he's forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Demas's walk at the end of his journey kind of bowed out and walked backwards, I believe, away from the zeal that he had from the Lord. What a horrible situation to be in, to be so much on fire for the Lord in a portion of your life, and then in your later days to back off of that, to have someone to be able to say, you know what, he loves the present world more than he loves the Lord. So he's departed for Thessalonica, but he goes on to say, Christians, one of the other guys that went with him, he's gone to Galatia, and Titus, he's left, and he's gone to Dalmatia. But then in verse 11, we see the commitment of Luke. Paul tells Timothy, only Luke is with me. As Luke set out to write the gospel record, the the gospel according to Luke, and as well as the follow-up historical book, the Acts of the Apostles, you need to understand that at one time these were connected as one work, two volumes of one work. And as we understand that, the gospel account of Luke seems to be very, very intent to write a very accurate, detailed, and authoritative account of the birth, of the life, of the ministry, of the teachings, of the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And then in Acts, he gives us an excellent record of the events of the birth and the spread of Christianity. And both of these works were written, at least initially, as a testimony to someone by the name of Theophilus. Look with me now. Let's go back into Luke, if you would. Luke chapter 1. We see it in the opening passages here in Luke. In Luke chapter 1, we read these words. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you are instructed." It's interesting as he writes that, even in the book of Acts, we see some similar writings there in Acts chapter 1, the first couple of verses there, Luke writing again, he says in Acts 1 verse 1, the former account, speaking of the gospel record, he says, the formal account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. It's interesting. All that we know about this one name, Theophilus, is given to us in those two points. That's all we know about him. Now, we can make a lot of speculation about him because of some of the things, but understand it is going to be simply 
speculation at this point in time. We can speculate within the boundary of the Word of God. We can speculate because of the timing. We can speculate even because of the name. His name actually means the lover of God or one who loves God. But whether or not that's his actual name or simply a description, we can't really be certain on that other than the fact that when Luke addresses him as most excellent Theophilus, that kind of gives us a hint that it's probably his name. And as a matter of fact, that title, Most Excellent, that usually speaks of someone who is in authority. Because he has a Greek name, because he's probably someone in authority, there's a good chance that he's either a Roman officer or a Roman government official. Now, again, speculation within the context of the Scripture, it would allow us to believe that perhaps either as a high-ranking Roman soldier or a Roman official, that Luke could very well have come in contact with this Theophilus while he was with Paul, while Paul was imprisoned in Rome. He seems to be one who's either recently come to faith in Christ or someone who's really earnestly desiring to understand the claims of Christianity. So Luke writes these accounts to him. Again, I think as we think of who Luke is and the process of it, yeah, initially both of these books were written, they were addressed to Theophilus. But the interesting thing is, he never goes back and speaks of Theophilus again. He doesn't come to the end and say, and so Theophilus, that's my story, I'm sticking to it. Uh, Nothing else there. So I believe Luke had a much wider vision than just this one man, Theophilus. But as he writes to him, particularly here in verse 4 in the gospel account, we read that Luke says that he's writing this, that you may know the certainty, that you might know the certainty. I want you to know these things, whether as a new believer or one who is seeking to understand the things of Christ. I want you to know for certain about these things. I want to tell you the truth. He goes, I want you to know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. So somewhere along the line, Theophilus had been instructed within the gospel, whether that was Luke and Paul in those days while Paul was imprisoned or elsewhere, as again, he was instructed in the way of Christianity. Some believe that Theophilus was a new convert, uh, having already to some extent been instructed in the things of the Lord. His position is his newfound faith. Luke would have been writing to him what we call an apologetic of the faith. Now, you need to understand, an apologetic of the faith doesn't mean you're apologizing for Christianity. That's, that's, that's not what it's saying. An apologetic, again, is a verbal or a written defense for the truth and for the certainty of the gospel. Again, aiming to be able to present some rational basis for the Christian faith, defending the faith against all those that would come against it. Let's look again at that opening passage. He says, "...inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us." just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the world had delivered them to us. So as Luke prepares to present this account of the life of Christ, 
he recognizes that some, actually probably many, have already endeavored to do just that. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the Gospel of Luke next time. Now we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at theopenword.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to theopenword.com and subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Now here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that The Open Word is a missionary work? It is. We need your support as we share God's Word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word. Go to theopenword.com and click on the support option in the main menu. We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the Gospel of Luke. That's next time on The Open Word.